Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here. And before I get to this podcast episode, I want to ask a very special favor from all of our listeners. Do you have a copy of the Game Changers for Government Contractors book? If you said yes to that, would you please go write us a review on Amazon? I would really, really appreciate it. The thing that most people don't know about Amazon is Amazon actually doesn't approve a lot of the reviews. So I get emails all the time from people that says, hey, I just wrote a review. I really appreciate the book. Love the book. And I go look on Amazon and the review's not there. And I'll shoot them an email and say, hey, you know, it's not there. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So it's just, it's really funny how Amazon rejects a lot of the reviews. It really stinks. So what I'm asking for is if you have read the book, you love the book Game Changers for Government Contractors, please go write a review and uh, hopefully it'll make it in there. We just, we really appreciate all of you and just checking out the book and the feedback on it has been outstanding. I really, really appreciate it. And I just need you to do the one more step. Go ahead and write a quick review for us. So we really, really appreciate that. So thanks for that. And now let's go check out this next episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here. I've got a great episode of Game Changers for you today. We're going to be talking to Frank McNally from Public Spin Forum, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, marketing. I love everything to do about marketing, whether it's website, print, media, uh, social media, whatever you want to call it. It's all really, really good stuff. But before we dive in, Frank, why don't you take a minute, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do over there. Absolutely, Mike. And thanks for having me on the show. I know the reputation of this podcast. It's been recommended to me anytime I ask people for good GovCon podcasts. So it's a real pleasure to be with you. Like you said, my name is Frank McNally. I work for Public Spend Forum, where I'm the director of learning and content development. So content marketing is a big part of what I do. Public Spend Forum is a market intelligence platform for public sector buyers and suppliers. We really help connect the acquisition professionals with the contractors that are seeking to serve them. Uh, we have some great frameworks and and best practices and webinar content. So that's kind of what we do at publicspendform.net. Check us out. Uh, one of the, the big products we have uh, today is called GovShop, and that's a, a market research platform. You can kind of think about it like a Google for government contractors. And that's where really, we're really trying to bring together our goals of open government markets where we can connect the buyers and suppliers and, and make that market research process a little more productive and efficient. You know, when I think about about content marketing, I know in the commercial space, it, it's it's one of those things where I think people get it, but I think in government, they don't get it. And so to have somebody on here in the space today and help talk about marketing, I think it's going to be really helpful for our listeners because again, we don't have, in my book, we don't have a really good concept for even how to market inside of GovCon. And you know, when I was um, getting ready to do our book, I was going through and looking at even some of our experts and other people that I deal with and looking at their social media profiles and everything, and people don't even have their contact information on their profiles. Most people don't have, you know, when you get into their company and look at those pages, there's very little contact information, uh, you know, and we're talking about a very basic element of just how to contact somebody. We're not even talking about, you know, articles and SEO type of, you know, language that needs to go in there. So I, I think there's a big gap when it comes to understanding, you know, what you and I were talking about before the podcast here, just how to get found in government. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when somebody puts in a keyword, how are they going to find you? 
you know, because because, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into these government procurement folks being able to find you. So, you know, I think one of the ways we should probably start off is what are some of the common ways that companies market themselves to this market of GovCon? Absolutely. That's a great question. The the thing you got to remember, too, is there's there's content marketing that that we're familiar with and maybe anybody out there, you know, with a side hustle of content marketing where you're you're trying to have your product or service sort of be found by a consumer who can make a purchase decision, you know, right then. And that's just not how obviously government procurement works. So it is a little different. The way that that companies have to market themselves to government is all about awareness and sort of making sure the government procurement professionals, the program people out there have enough information about your company to determine whether or not you might be a good fit for an upcoming need of theirs. So this is a big part of the market research process. Companies, you'll hear, you know, if you haven't heard somebody tell you to develop a capability statement for your company, then go develop a capability statement for your company. You need it to be pretty clear what you do and why a government procurement professional or program owner should care. Uh, So that's a really big thing. So, you know, large defense contractors, big systems integrators, you know, the Accentures, the Lockheeds of the world have the budget for national marketing campaigns. They can put, you know, a poster in the metro station to have that brand awareness so that when people see, you know, Boeing, when they see Lockheed, they think government contractor, defense contractor, right? That's takes a lot of money, takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Small to medium sized businesses that are out there just trying to figure out how they can get their foot in the door can't do that. And so what they can do is take advantage of certain search and, and content marketing techniques so that a curious buyer or a curious program owner out there doing market research might be able to find their, their company. Yeah. And, and I think there's, if I were to go back and re-ask the question, it's like, what are some of the common, you know, strategies people use to market themselves, but what are the actual good ones? <laughs> you know, because, right. you know, you mentioned some great things in there and I will never forget, I was at uh, a conference in Orlando years ago and I got off the plane and there's obviously there's all the uh, the marketing material in the airport. So like you said, it's the posters, the banners. Um, sometimes it's digital, that sort of thing. But then when you get to like a conference, there's more of that stuff there. You know, mm-hmm. there are event sponsors and snack sponsors. I remembered one time I at the time I actually worked for General Dynamics. And I remember, you know, there was budget issues about things like, hey, we're really tight on budget for this, that and whatever. And I get to this event in General Dynamics is is the ice cream sponsor. <laughs> and so it already sounds funny, right? It sounds a little funny. But when you opened the ice cream, our logo was embedded in the ice cream in chocolate. Amazing. And I was like, I can't even imagine what that costs. <laughs> you know, the, you know, it's, we're in a conference with 4,000 people. So there's 4,000 oh of these ice cream sandwiches with our chocolate logo in it. You know, it's imagine what that costs for that. Plus just the right to put your, your, uh, your name as the ice cream sponsor. And that was one snack over a four day conference. And it's like that, that's a, a technique that we were using at the time. And so there's some, there's some good ways to market yourself. And, and I guess, you know, if I were to look at it, I still remember that. I, I still right. I still remember that. So on one hand, I'm like, what do we pay? 50, 60 grand to be the ice cream mm-hmm. sponsor. But that was almost 15 years ago. And I remember it <laughs> now. Now, would I remember it if I wasn't a general dynamics employee? I don't know. But I was at the time we had budget issues. And I'm like, we're the freaking ice cream sponsor. Um, I mean, 15 years ago, you didn't have 
what you have today. I mean, what, 15 years ago is 2005. So you, you had a little bit of it, right? But you, there wasn't as much Google search activity. There wasn't as much online content. I guess it was a little more nascent than it is today. Right, and right. so you, you've probably heard, you know, brand recognition and purchase decisions. A consumer needs to be exposed to your brand or product you know, anywhere from five to 15 times, depending on what benchmark you want to use. Yeah, just to remember you. Just to remember you. Now, but government procurement's totally different, right? It's not a individual consumer making a purchase decision. It is a rigorous process. It's, you know, methodical. The tail can wag the dog. And, you know, just because a program owner wants you, they recognize your brand as a company, doesn't necessarily mean that they can get you. And so, you know, I've had the the pleasure and I, I love teaching. So I, I get to go teach contracting classes to contracting professionals. We call them acquisition professionals sometimes in the federal government. And I'll ask them, what do you do when you do market research? What are you actually looking for? Because, you know, I don't want to just eat my own dog food. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm saying the right things and they're actually factual. I say, what do you look for when you're doing market research? And they say, you know, we really just, we want to know, you know, what's the, does the company registered with the government? You know, do they have a SAM profile? What's, what's their DUNS number? Do they have GSA schedules that make it easier for me to buy from them? What's their past experience? And I say, so you, you don't really care about slick marketing copy. You don't care about the, the graphics on their website. And they say, you know, a lot of times that can be friction that can just get yeah. in the way of what they're actually looking for. Yeah. And we, we coach people on the same stuff. It's like if, if they have to go to your website and hunt for it, you've lost. You, right. you, you've probably lost. I, I had a general that I worked for many, many years ago when I was in the army and his thing was about reducing the clicks. He was yes. always talking about that. Like, uh, cause we were um, in one of the, the forward operating little pop-up stations and we had this two-star general and it was funny. Like we, we would have these TVs everywhere. And he was like, if I can't find it in one or two clicks on my screen, he was like, somebody get me sticky notes. And he would literally yep. have sticky notes on the TV monitor. Cause he was like, it needs to be in less than, than this many clicks or whatever. It was always about reducing three clicks. That. I think is always the benchmark. I yeah. Heard. Yeah. Three yeah clicks. That's, that's always the benchmark is less than three clicks. And yet there's so many people that like, well, if you click here and then you go there, if they want more, they can go. No, that's not how it works. You know, we, right. we even talk about the government tab on your page, like show them because they don't have time for this. Imagine how many things they are trying to buy and they mm -hmm. don't have time to, you know, look at all the little details of your website and, and all those kind of things, which, which leads me to, you know, what are some of the common techniques that, that these procurement professionals, contracting officers, whatever you want to call them, what are some of the common techniques they're using to do this market research to find a company? Totally. I mean, the, the good ones are, are doing research on their own. They're, they're going and, and attempting to find company websites through keyword search, you know, hopefully a lot more now today through, through GovShop keyword search to find companies that may have that, that fit for what they're buying. So, you know, we really encourage that. Then there's sometimes, you know, you'll see uh, requests for information or RFI. You'll hear that term a lot. The RFI goes out and it's, you know, blasted on on FedBizOps or Sam.gov today. And you can tell that RFI is is literally just to take the the place of market research where, you know, I wanna I wanna just reach out and have the conversation with the person putting that out there and say, look, you don't you don't understand what yeah. the what impact this has on on the people, the government contractors that are going to respond to this. Um, and if I may, I'll take this a little further because you know, again, I I I, I talk to contracting professionals all the time, and I I remember having conversations, and one in particular with a 
And this was a good contracting professional. This was somebody who wanted to do things the right way. And I said, look, because he, he wanted me to review one of the RFIs he was putting on. He said, look, you know, this is you're asking a lot of information here. It's like this is this is going to take significant time and effort by industry, like economic cost and opportunity mm-hmm. cost. And what you're looking for a lot of the stuff you could literally just find by doing market research. Uh, and he said, well, you know, that'll take me two or three hours. And I said, well, look, it's going to take five to six hours for every single one of the people that are responding to this, if not more. It's not a light exercise. So, yeah. you know, I, I just want to encourage, you know, contracting professionals, be cognizant of that when you go out with the RFIs. That, that's very important. I, I think for a lot of people listening, you know, they assume that when an RFP comes out, that the contracting officer already knows exactly who they want. And that could be the case. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of procurements that don't even make it to, uh, you know, Sam.gov. They're, they're never going to make it there. You know, we were talking about this uh, with somebody yesterday where the the conversation was about, you know, well, all the opportunities are on Sam.gov. Like, no, you, you misunderstand what's on Sam.gov. The scraps mm. are there. Mm. That, that That's what we've been referring to it lately as the scraps. And my friend Carol Bernard from Govology was talking about that and just the scraps because they, they've got this pyramid they look at because the contracting officer is looking internally first. Hey, can we source this somehow through right. a contract vehicle, a GSA schedule, uh, a sister organization with another vehicle? Something They're looking for every way they can to avoid putting it on the open market. And so... You can't do that without doing some research. And so I I think for anyone listening today thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Why do I need to be more searchable? Because I can search them because these opportunities all hit the open market. No, they don't. They don't all hit the open market. In fact, the the better contracting professionals out there are going to find a way to avoid that as much as possible. Am I on the right track here or am I totally off the rails? Yes. No, you are. And especially as we get closer to September and that fourth quarter sort of use it or lose it spending spree, they, they are not going to have time to put everything else, uh, to put everything on SAM.gov right. and you know federal business opportunities. If you want a piece of this pie, you need to make sure that you are there and you're available to be found because some contracting decisions can be made, you know, quickly and with a, a modicum of competition. But you know, to be there, to be in the room, you know, you need to be findable. That's what we talk about, being able to be found online. Now, it's just not that easy, though. I mean, right. if you want, you know, want to get technical, you want to rank for certain keywords on the Google search page, which you absolutely should. You know, you should be ranking for your company name. But, you know, how many times are, are contracting professionals going to re- you know, type your company's name into Google? It's not going to happen that often. Right. If you're right. a professional services contractor, professional services is a pretty competitive keyword. Think of all the professional yeah. services firms out there, you know, uh, beyond government. Right. So that's a that's type of keyword where you're not going to rank your company on the front page without months and months of, of effort, deliberate effort, targeting keywords. And by the way, if you're a contractor, you're trying to get into the business. That's not the time that you want to be spending. That's just not good. Good use of your time. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I would think, you know, from the the years that you've been doing this on your side with training some of these people, and like you said, just talking to them about what they're doing, you probably learned a little bit about how they're actually doing their research. So I'm, I'm curious what the input has been from them on like, hey, when I need to fulfill something, do you see them mostly going to Google? Do you see them mostly going to Sam? Like what have, what have you seen mm-hmm. to be, and, and maybe there's no um, there's no, you know, 
leader in that market there. But what have you kind of seen from that on on where they're even going to do to do that market research? Sure. And they'll do it several different ways. So I I was a contracting officer um, in one of the first jobs in my career at Transportation Security Administration. So when I was doing market research and this was 2006, 2007. So we were doing online market research using Google. Um, I remember one of the first big opportunities that my boss gave me said, look, you're going to, you're going to award this contract. It was for body armor. So you're going to go out and award this contract. This is the procurement request. The customer needs body armor. This is yours. Go do it. I was so excited, Mike. I went and I started Googling. I was looking for companies that could that could sell me this body armor. I was I was getting uh, catalogs. I was I was having these conversations, and you know it was all really great until I asked them straight up, like, okay, you know, I so I work for the government, so you know, can you can you sell these to me potentially? I said, oh, sorry, we don't really we don't do business with the government. So I had wasted all this time uh, doing this market research with companies that that didn't even want to sell to me in the first place. Mm. And and that was, you know, a lesson I learned. Uh, so then from then on, I, you know, would want to make sure if I was building a list of of potential prospective companies, I was cross-referencing cross-referencing that against, you know, the system of record, which today is SAM.gov. Um, and to plug GovShop, I mean, so that's the first thing that you can see in a GovShop search is if you only want companies that are doing business with the government, you can actually select that filter. And so it's kind of a way to narrow down your Google search results uh, through GovShop into only companies that do business with the government. Sometimes you might not. Sometimes you might, you might be looking for emerging companies that, you know, have totally different perspectives. So you, you might not need to, to have that search filter. But that's one of the ways that we make GovShop easier uh, for market research. A lot of times, contracting officers are looking to determine how many socioeconomic uh, businesses, small businesses with specific socioeconomic categories exist in a particular market because they've got a small business representative that's saying, look, this this is a, you know, we've got goals to meet. We've got socioeconomic goals. This seems like an opportunity that we could set aside for a particular subset of small businesses. So contracting officers are looking to determine whether or not there's a certain number of these types of set-aside companies in a market. GovShop's got a filter for that as well. And that's two things, by the way, the registration with government and the, the socioeconomic designation, two things that are, that are in every good capability statement that you'll see front and center and aren't always on the company's website. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about friction. We're talking about clicks now. The contracting professional is going to have to execute to, to get this key information they need. Yeah. And it, it, you're just making it hard for them to buy. I mean, you know, I, when people talk to me about doing business with the government, I, that's one of the questions or one of the things we always say is make it easy for them to buy. You yes. know, on, on your government page, list all of your relevant info and include a download to your capability statement because people will say, well, which one should I do? Should I list it all or should I put a PDF? The answer is yes. <laughs> you, should do, you should do both. Why? Well, if I'm looking at it, that's great and that makes it easy to read and all that kind of stuff. But if I were to go and hit print, what's it going to print like? Is, 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 what's it going to be? I mean, you've tried to print something off a website. You know, you may get 18 pages off of something because there's extra fluff in there or whatever that you don't need. But having a PDF that they can just click on because they're likely going to need to use that for something else. You know, right. Or, or, like a market research report or something or yeah. like a justification precisely. Yeah. yeah. It's just making it easier for them to do their job instead of saying, well, if they want a capability statement, they can just email me 
you're, that's the friction you're talking about. Oh, so, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, the, yeah, they're not so, going to take extra extra yeah, efforts like that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things where I don't think people understand that these folks, first of all, the, the numbers of your contracting officers have been sliced dramatically over the yep. years. I mean, it just, it keeps, you know, crunching down and the number of acquisitions keep growing. So there's right. more work, there's less people. And, you know, I, I think some people think that this happens in, in this really tiny vacuum where I've got a contracting officer whose only purpose in life is to award this one contract. That's it. <laughs> they're going to go out, they're going to, like you said, you, they get all excited. They're going to do weeks of research trying to find the right company for this one procurement. But they're doing that on 50 things they got to award this month, yep. 100 yep. things they got to award this month. You know, and, and that's the difference there of just being able to look inside what their life is like and figure out ways to make it easier and to, and to, to bring you to the surface. Because I think that's really kind of at the heart of, of what we're trying to talk about today. Part of it is the process they go through. But what are the things that I should be doing to get found? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do I make sure... That when they're Googling or when they're using a tool like, you know, one of your websites or or platforms, you know, Mm -hmm. how do I get found by these guys during the market research phase? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think so before I answer it, you know, there there are two different uh, types of market research, two categories of market research that uh, contracting professionals will, will do. There's a, a strategic market research and there's a tactical market research. Tactical is when I'm looking for you know, companies for a upcoming need. Strategic market research is when I'm trying to get smart on an industry or a sector. Mm. You can be successful in strategic, you can be successful in both, but to be uh, to be successful in strategic market research is things that you and I like, which is content marketing, which is finding out like, okay, what is a, a, a search term that a contracting professional might be searching when they're looking for, you know, value-added reseller? or something like that. And then if you can go and you can write really good content about that value-added reseller keyword, and you'll have to do some research on this to find that if that's actually the word, but you can have a, a really nice article that explains what a value-added reseller is, why you'd want to work with one. It's not a marketing piece talking about your company. It's more an educational mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a blog or report or whatever. And then that Contract professional is going to be learning about value-added reselling and, frankly, experiencing some degree of joy because you're giving them knowledge, you're making something easier for them. And then if they happen to see at the end of that article that you know you are a company that is a value-added reseller, I'm adding you to my bookmarks, or I'm going to go and look mm-hmm. up your company and download your capability statement. So that's right. that's one of the ways you know to do it: being on webinars, hosting webinars, trying to put out really good content because. You know, content is king and currency. Um, but the type of content you want to put out when you're appealing to strategic market research is really about education and informing. Yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of people that think, well, that just doesn't work for my industry. Yeah, it, it, it just it doesn't work. And and without me being beating that drum, because I know I can't. What what do you say to the folks that say, well, you know, I just don't see the the need to blog about the industry or I don't see the need to write a book about it or I don't see the mm-hmm. need to comment on LinkedIn or any of those types of things. What what are your thoughts about that? I do I do understand why they say that. Um to to succeed in content marketing, it's uh it's it's what what's the term I want to use? The it's a, a de- delayed gratification. 
So the things that you do for content marketing today that are actually going to be productive, you won't see for months. So it's like planting a seed and a a really laborious seed and then understanding that you're not going to see a shoot or a green shoot for four or five months. But in five months, you'll wish you started five months ago. (laughs) And and you've got to be diligent about it. You got to have a content plan, you know, and there's a lot of great content development firms out there that'll write you know, and research blogs for you and and make those blogs organic and findable. But yeah, you just you need you need to be doing it. And honestly, it's a great thing for junior staff to be doing uh, mm. because they get to learn about what you're doing as a company. They get to be exposed a little bit into the market. It's just something that if you're not doing it, you know, is it gonna lose you a contract? No. Is it going to maybe keep you off of one of those sort of side deals or some of those internal sort of not fully competed opportunities? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. And, you know, I I think people just get overwhelmed with content. They think, well, you know, you've got to write this article and it's got to be, you know, professionally edited and all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's a blog, that's something where I think people understand, you know, the editing is probably not going to be the same as a novel, right? Sure, (laughs) sure. They they know, you know, you're not going to, you know, use, you know, you'll be 100% professional, grammatically correct, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more flexibility. I always tell people just start, just start somewhere. And the, the part of the challenge I see is... Some of these, I, I would, I'll call them smaller companies, the companies that are under $10 million, the startups where you have a lot of time on your hands and you're not mm-hmm. using it anyway. So why not use yep. it to build content, you know, and that that's, a, I like, you know, the de- delayed gratification is exactly what it is. You know, I've seen content take years to really take off and Definitely. do things. And I, it reminds me of, if you ever seen one of those, uh, shows about these plants that only bloom like once every seven years or something <laughs> like that. it kind of feels like that to a degree like you just you don't know when it's gonna bloom but yep. you know you know it will at some point um, and, and it, when it does it keeps blooming like that's yeah. the the brilliance of a really mature content marketing plan is that it's the digital bookshelf that lasts forever and only gets like a fine wine only gets better but right. it it never runs out yeah. you'll you know, you'll always be seeing if you're tracking with Google Analytics, your inbound research, you have a really good blog, you'll see daily traffic in perpetuity. It's just amazing, but not for, you know, a while. Yeah, I, I grew up in the South and my grandfather planted all these pecan trees. And so he had all these pecan trees in his front yard. And I always tell people like marketing, especially content marketing, is a lot like these pecan trees. It, it mm. takes some time to grow. And I don't know how many years it took them to grow to get to the point where they were actually producing pecans. And the really cool thing is once they hit that stage, they just started doing it. Oh, and, and like it, every year they started doing it. But the other thing about them was you can't neglect them. Right. You can't, you can't yep. neglect the trees just like you can't neglect you can't go okay it's built it's running i've got my 12 blogs now right i'm I'm good to go i can stop because the the one thing about the pecan trees is if you don't take care of them you'll actually start to see less and less every year till finally there's a year where you get nothing and And then actually yeah right and it's a diminishing return at that point yeah and it's still a tree yeah it's it's still you know it's a still it's a beautiful tree in the yard but it's not producing anything so you've got to like what's going on oh well it needs some attention it needs some Mm -hmm. fertilization or or whatever it needs in order and then it starts producing again and and content's a lot of the same way where the moment you stop like at some point there's there's the delayed diminishing return (laughs) yes at some point you're like oh it's still going it's still going strong and then all of a sudden why Oh, uh oh, why, why is it started to slack off, you know, and why are we, 
why are we not getting found in search near as much? Because we stopped. You know, we stopped taking yeah. care of this content machine that was actually creating results for us. You know, we, we're, we're really big on content, obviously, with the podcast and other things. And from my perspective, a large part about what I found that makes a lot of companies successful is being known as the subject matter expert of fill in the blank, you know, whether it's, you know, sanitation and janitorial, whatever, whether it's high tech industry stuff. When I come to your website during the the market research phase and I see that you've written a book on cybersecurity, I'm going to stop and poke around a little bit. But if I, but if I come to your website and if you're listening today and you've done this, you don't have to hang your head, just go fix it. If I've come to your website and I have seen the template that I've seen on other websites, I've seen the same clip art on other websites, <laughs> right. and you're talking about being experts in the industry, you know, professional service to use the term user, professional service experts, I know right away you're not, or at least you know you don't know how to communicate your value. I know right away. And so it's very obvious from the people on the outside when people are you know telling them a story or when they're really impressing them. And I think, that, I think that's something we haven't really talked about much here i think the sophistication of the surfer the 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 person Mm -hmm. doing the market research we talked about 2005 earlier the sophistication of the people doing the research is completely different than when it was absolutely like they can spot a phony they can spot a company who is new to the market or a company that you know like they scroll to the bottom they see your copyright was 2010 like Mm -hmm. you you know like they see these things there's these things that jump off and you're like i don't even know if this company's still around i mean i'll do you one better i mean they'll do that even before they get to the website i mean you look at a google search you look at the serp the uh, the serp the google search results page Mm -hmm. uh consumers now know you know, I want to read the title and I want to read that metadata description. If I don't see what I'm expecting to see in that, I'm not clicking through to your website. Yep. Next. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and again, like I, I'm going to say something provocative here, but you know, if, if we think with, with GovShop and the, just the high resolution supplier profiles that, that we are uh, enabling for companies to do, and there's, a, it's free, by the way, you can get a free profile on GovShop. Uh, we're actually beginning to outrank companies for their own brand named keyword. So we're, we have uh, extensive domain authority between public spend forum and GovShop because we've invested the time in content marketing and site structure, all the SEO discipline that, you know, you really, if you're earnest about it, will do. And what we do with the the your GovShop profile is you'll have your company name and then immediately appended with that is government contractor website or, or so what it actually it says it's uh it's it's government contractor company info. Hmm. So you'll have your 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 business name and you might rank higher than that. So I'm looking at one example, Metro Office Solutions. Uh, this is a, a uh, a particular organic search where we're the third, we're the third SERP in that 10, you know, 10 page list. So Metro Office Products has their website on top, but then two two slips down, there's Metro Office Products, government contractor company info. Now, if you're a contracting professional doing market research on office products, what are you more likely to click into? The one yeah. that says government contractor company info and has your all your keywords right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because that's what they're looking for. 
Yes. You, you know, they're not searching because they want to go to a website so they can spend two hours looking at you. They're looking for that particular info. The Like you said earlier, the NAICS code, the DUNS number, all the that important right. information that I need to help guide me through my decision. And, you know, for people listening, you know, I, I was actually in the SEO industry for several years. And, you know, when I look at what gets clicks, it's really those first three to five links are going to yep. get clicks, even if it's the same thing. Because here's the deal. You've only got so much real estate on that first page. We always talk about, you've probably heard this before, the best place to bury a body is on the second page of Google, right? Like no <laughs> one's no one's ever going to click there. There's only so much space on that first page. And it's great if you are number one. But what if you're also number two and three and yep. four and the list goes on, right? Because guess what? The more of those you take up, the less your competition takes up. That's right. That's why you want to take up more than one of those spaces. I mean, it's just one less person you've got to compete with. And guess what? This is you putting your best foot forward. You're not doing anything wrong by taking up more of these spaces. Cause I talked to some people and they're like, well, you know, we're shutting out the competition. I'm like, that's their problem. It really, <laughs> it's really their problem to get found. I, I, to Absolutely. me, this kind of falls into that same category where people are like, why, why are the Patriots running up the score? The saints running, why are they running up the score? I'm <laughs> like, cause their job is to score. Yes. Precisely. Their job is not to sit there and lose the game. Their job is to score. Your job is to be found as much as possible. So be found. Yep. You know? That, I mean, and these are all free clicks we're talking about too. Yeah. Like it's just no yeah. brainer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And we're talking about free stuff. We're not even talking about if you did paid search or anything like yeah. that because do another uh, podcast on that. Yeah. You know, that's great. Well, I always talk about this, the secret insider trick, the game changer, if you will, is getting in there and putting it in the maps. So that your stuff oh, yeah. is in the maps. Because once it's in the maps, guess what people are looking at first? Because the way Google does it, they're displaying maps first. Then they're displaying organic traffic and, and all that kind of stuff. So being found in the maps mm-hmm. plus the first you know, line under maps, like it's a home run. Totally. It's very much a home run. So, you know, we've, we've hit a lot of stuff today. And before I get out of here and before I get your final thoughts, you've talked a little bit about what you do over there at Public Spin Forum. Why don't you kind of recap a little bit about what you do? You've talked about the free profile and a little bit about give give folks mm-hmm. a little bit more insight on that so they can understand how they could leverage you to rank higher. Absolutely. So, you know, just from from the GovShop perspective, I, I did talk about the supplier profiles being like really high resolution views with the information that matters to government contracts professionals. So if you went to govshop.com, you could search for your company. We probably have a basic profile already scraped that you can go and emphasize, that you can go and update with particular keywords that uh, that are relevant to your business, with a bit more description about your company, with your past experience in government. Any GSA schedules that you have can be listed right on there. And there's no clicking by the contracting professional. They just scroll down, get the information they need, <clears throat> And then we've got features like shortlisting and profile shares, all kinds of utility for the contracting professional. So it's really a no-brainer to be on GovShop, to have your supplier profile as up-to-date as possible so that you can get the attention of your target buyers. And then... Consequently, at Public Spend Forum, you know, what we're doing is putting out really great content about, you know, for for government professionals on how to do more effective market research, how to buy professional services, content that attracts the government professional and lets them know that GovShop exists as a technique of 
helping to drive more traffic there, helping to get your supplier profiles, uh, more views and more interest. So, I, I mean, I love my job. Uh, half the mm -hmm. time I'm just looking for, for fun blogs to write on keywords that I know we can win that also have relevance to market research and, and whatever, you know, content topics we're, we're doing, whether it's a workshop on how to win government contracts or, uh, you know, a, a webinar on the other transaction authority and, and cyber grants, you know, all kinds of fun things. We really are sort of the 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 front edge of, of what's happening in government procurement and uh, the platform that we've built we think is a, is a really useful tool so definitely check out govshop.com and, and publicspendforum.net yeah th those are great resources and you know for people that don't understand SEO and some of the terms we've thrown today around about you know ranking on the page and all, all that kind of stuff you know one of the things and you can explain this probably better than I can but one of the things that helps your pages show up so easily is the volume. I mean, you've got mm -hmm. thousands and thousands right. of these pages and guess what folks, Google likes that. You know, you can compare the GovShop website with, I don't know, 50,000, 100,000 pages. I don't know what you have mm -hmm. versus my little shops website with 11 pages. It, you know, <laughs> it's, it's way more attractive to be going through all of your content than my 11 pages. And so at yep. its simplest form, I mean, that makes a big deal. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, not to get into it, but the, when I talk about domain authority, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, GovShop, we're ranking and we're, we're indexing, you know, pages every day. I think we have 150,000 pages indexed currently. Google recognizes us and GovShop as a source for government contractor market research. So, yeah. you know, that's what we're doing for you. Yeah. It, it's hard to compete with that, you know, and if, if I have 11 pages, again, on my mm -hmm. website, which is a lot of people I, I talk to have eight to eight to 12 pages. So somewhere in there, yeah. you know, it's pretty daunting to think, well, how can I catch up with 150,000? <laughs> You're not. You're <laughs> not going to catch up and you don't want you don't need to. No, Forget right. about wanting to. You don't need to. But you can leverage all of that authority with Google to backlink right to your site. And, and forget even the backlink. You don't even need that. You just need to be found. Yep, precisely. You need. you need to be found. And so that's the, the big feature there. So really great stuff. I don't know if you have any final thoughts for us, but I'd love to hear if you have any final thoughts for, for us today on, on how to get found or best techniques, strategies, any of that stuff. No, I mean, it, it's everything you've talked about today. <laughs> if you're going to do something, keep at it. Uh, try to be a leader, a thought leader in your field, with content, you know, the, the best advice I can give on content is just focus on one topic per blog uh, and try to be informative. Mm. Um, and, and listen to this podcast. I think you got a lot of yeah. good tips for everybody. Yeah. No, you know, that's a great, great, actually a game changer. You know, I'll use the word, right? Uh, tip there for folks is I see so many people when they go and write a blog, they think, okay, this is my masterpiece. This is my ninth <laughs> symphony. I have got to cram every thought. It was the best thought. of times. It was the worst. Exactly, of right? I've got to cram every possible thought, every cute pun, every great story, everything yeah. into this one 1,500-word blog. And I, I was talking with Josh the other day, and I said, hey, man, did you see that post I wrote the other day on LinkedIn? And he was like, that was a post? He was like, that was like four sentences. I'm like, yeah, it's getting way more traction mm -hmm. than the 900-word blog we we wrote the other day. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, totally. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it you just have to do it and you have to put yep. it out there. I like the 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 thought of just focusing on one thing. And you know, to me, it's much easier to focus on one thing and then have twelve things you can write about versus hey, I'm gonna focus on this masterpiece. I'm gonna write all twelve and then I don't know what to write about again. Mm-hmm. 
it, it's mm-hmm. just so much easier. It, and, and there's really no rules to, to content marketing. But, you know, the for the person listening today, I can't emphasize how important it is for you to be an authority in your space. And if Absolutely. you're in your space... Yeah, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you're in the IT industry, if you're in the staffing industry, if you sell body armor. I don't care what it is. You've got to know some stuff about the things you sell. So why not communicate them to the market? Well I mean, said. That's, that, that's just really, yeah, That that's my final word for today. Frank, I really appreciate you coming on here today. I think we talked about some really good stuff. Uh, I'll have some links to where people can reach you if they have questions. They should definitely go get their GovShop profile set up. Uh, but thanks again for coming on today. I think it was really good stuff. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.